It's great to be here with you this morning to be able to uh, celebrate Christmas. By the way, if you don't know, Christmas is Saturday, the end of this week. If you haven't uh, did, done your shopping yet, uh, just let this be your warning. Uh, the countdown is ticking, and so you'll want to do that. Uh, but it's exciting to think about the fact that just two days from now will be our first Christmas Eve service on Tuesday night. And then, of course, on, uh, on Christmas Eve, we have three services. And so I want to invite you out to that. You can reserve spaces or, or you can walk in, but, uh, but come on out. Let's, let's celebrate Christ together. Uh, it is great to be in the midst of our Christmas series, actually, sort of winding around now as we head into Christmas Eve, talking about this gift exchange, uh, playing a little bit on the gift exchanges that take part uh, this time of year. We've looked at uh, exchanging uh, things like our despair for God's hope and our worry for God's peace and our sorrow for God's joy. And we realize that this time of year, uh, not only are we exchanging gifts and so forth, but we're, we're around a lot of people. We find ourselves at the mall. We find ourselves at these different gatherings. And, and, and I, as we look at that, I realize that it's even possible to feel alone in the midst of a crowd. It's even possible to feel alone this time of year. In fact, one study I saw reported in Psychology Today noted that 40%, think about that, 40% of Americans see themselves as lonely, view themselves as lonely, 40%, 4 out of 10 people. It's true that even amidst the get-togethers, the crowded malls again, that we can feel so much alone, and therefore we're going to look at this morning, what does it look like to exchange our detachment for God's love, our detachment for God's love? And for the past two weeks, you've heard me say, past few weeks you've heard me say that that when we exchange gifts with God, God always gives the grander gift. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Now, let me acknowledge from the very beginning that the word detached is a very unusual word. <laughs> and so it might help to look at its meaning. The definition of detached is not connected or separate, but simply put, being detached is being alone. And all of us know what it's like to be alone. However, in the same Psychology Today report I, I just referred to earlier, an estimated 20% of Americans say they deal with chronic loneliness. So just wrap our mind around that. Four out of 10 people say we deal with loneliness here in America. Two out of 10 people say they deal with chronic loneliness. So detachment's a big deal. Now you may ask, why is the exchange for detachment God's love? And to answer that, we gotta look at one of the words for love in the Greek language. And one of the words in the Greek is agape. Now, what is agape love? It's self-sacrificing. It's self-giving love. Now, what's interesting about agape love is, is how that love is given. That in agape love, the, the love that's given isn't determined by the receiver. And so the receiver doesn't necessarily say, this is how I need to be loved, and then that's how the person gives in that loving situation. No, no, no. The giver perceives how the person needs to be loved, and that's the way they show love to that individual. That's agape love. Now, what's this look like? One of the best-known verses in the Bible, one that was read earlier in the service, one verse that summarizes the whole Scripture speaks of agape love, and that's John 3.16. Look at it with me. For God so loved the world. By the way, that's agape. So, For God so agape loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, what did he give? 
God didn't give what people necessarily thought they needed. He gave what he perceived we needed. He gave his only son. And God's love for people, really, when you think about it, is God doing what he thinks is best for us and not what we desire. I would guess that if we went around the room, we would all be able to say what we think we need. One person may say, I need more money. One person here may even say, I need a spouse. I don't know. Someone might say, I need a Big Mac. He knew that was coming. You know, all of us could come around the room and say what we think we need. And, and you know what? I don't know. Maybe you do need those things, but it's not your greatest need. And God knew that. God knew our greatest need. And so God gave his only son and says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's the great gift of God. God's gift to the world was not what they believe they needed or what we believe we need, but what we actually need. God's gift was a child. And that's why I love Isaiah 9:6. It's a prophecy several hundred years before the birth of Christ. Several hundred years before the birth of Christ. And he describes this wonderful gift of God. And you can just imagine throughout the span of history, people sort of thinking of what we need. You know, when Jesus arrived, they said, we, we need a victorious warrior who will, who will break the bond of the, of the Roman tyranny in our lives. And God said, that's not your greatest need. <laughs> so just pause a minute. Think, what do you think your greatest need is? Well, your need is this, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. What is being spoken here in John 3, 16 and Isaiah 9, 6? Uh, we discover really a great truth and a, and a great opportunity for an exchange to take place. Think about it. God created men and women to have a personal relationship with him. And God desires for us to be in a loving relationship with him, a relationship where he's able to show his love for us and where we're able to show our love for him. Now, I've had people ask the question when I've talked about God's love for them, uh, why does God love me? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, maybe you like yourself so much that you think, why wouldn't he? But, but have you ever been in a situation, really, where you really sat back? Maybe you, maybe you had a big failing in your life. Now, I know none of you have ever failed except for the person sitting next to you. But, but maybe you've had one. You thought, why would God even consider me? Why would he think about me? Why would, why would God love me? And I was thinking about that, and I thought, it's sort of like asking me as a parent, why do I love my kids? And, and to be honest with you, I don't have a profound answer. I don't. I love them because I love them. I don't love them because of what they do. In fact, the reality of it is, how many parents out there? How many people have ever been a child? <laughs> I love them sometimes in spite of what they do. I don't love them always because of what they say, because sometimes I love them in spite of what they say. I love them because they're mine. They're my children. I don't love them any more, any less because of what they do, what they say. I don't love any of my children more than the others. I love them all. Now, grandchildren, a whole other issue. But, but I love them because they're my kids. And God loves us the same way because we're his. He doesn't love us because of what we've done or haven't done or what we've said or haven't said. He has, doesn't love us because we, we, we aren't perfect, because we're not. He loves us because he loves us. And the reality is this. 
I don't want to question it. I don't want to try to change his mind. He loves us. For God so loved you. For God so loved me. But what separates us, what detaches us from this relationship with God is sin. Now, they say this often because they keep writing it. You know, they say sin's not a popular word. You shouldn't use it even in messages. And yet the reality of it is it shouldn't be a popular word. It's not a fun word. It's not something any of us should be proud of. But it separates us from God. What is sin? It's, it's disobeying God. It's, it's falling short of, of God's moral absolute. And when someone's offended, it, it causes a rift in a relationship. And we all know that. We've all experienced that. The result is that sin causes this detachment between us and God. It's common this time of year to, to visit Christmas celebrations. Let me, let me illustrate this way. Maybe you've seen Handel's Messiah. How many of you have seen Handel's Messiah? If you've seen it, you're either sitting here saying it was one of the most amazing experiences of your life, or you'll never get that time back. It's all according to where you're at. It's all according to where you're at on the spectrum. And I'm not even going to tell you where I'm at on that at all. But imagine... Imagine during Handel's Messiah that all of a sudden the Hallelujah Chorus is being played. And, and, and it's, it's just sounding beautiful and it's moving. And yet all of a sudden the conductor looks over and one instrumentalist decides to play their own tune. Like they're just doing their own thing. Like they're going off. What do you think the conductor would have to do? He would have to ask that person to step away, wouldn't he? Because they're playing their own tune. When we think of sin, really, that's what we're doing. We're playing our own tune. And God of the cosmic conductor has to separate us from him. God cannot exist with sin. And he can't do anything with sin. He has no part of it because he's so pure and holy. Therefore, a separation exists between people and God. That, that's why that separation is there. It was from the beginning of humanity when sin entered the world through Adam. And we still deal with that today. And you say, well, that's a bad news. And that is bad news. How many agree that's bad news? That sin separates us from God. But God took care of sin. He took care of our sin dilemma by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, then die on the cross for our sins, be resurrected for our salvation, so that in him we can be forgiven and allow us to exchange our detachment for his love. Again, for God so loved the world, saw our predicament that he gave. I love the first chapter of John. It's an interesting picture of the Christmas story. We're going to be looking at it a little more on Christmas Eve because it's, 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 it's very, very visual in the way that he talks about that, that Jesus is light and that the light existed from the very beginning. But I love it when it says that the light came into the world. And one translation of Scripture says that he moved into our neighborhood. I want you to think about that. That God saw our sin predicament. He saw our loneliness. He saw our detachment. And he didn't sit up there unloving and say, well, you know what? My kids have been misbehaving. They deserve that. Yeah, he knew we deserved it, but he loved us so much. So what did he do? He moved into our neighborhood. He came to us. So much of life, people are trying to figure out, how do I reach happiness? How do I achieve love? And God said, listen, you can't do any of these things. Let me do it for you. I will come to you. You don't have to come to me. I will come to you. Romans 6.23, for the wage of sin is death, but the free gift, there's that word gift again. The free gift of God is eternal life. In whom? Christ Jesus, our Lord. He gave. He loves us. He doesn't want us to be alone. 
Yeah, we deserve death, but through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to have life. And amazingly, amazingly, Jesus didn't just come to die. He did die on the cross. He was buried, but he rose from the dead. In fact, you can't separate the message of Christmas from the message of Easter because Jesus' resurrection proves that God has the power to save people. He has the power to save people from a destiny of eternal detachment from him and grant them this loving relationship with God from today into the never-ending future through Jesus Christ. So here's the question. How then do we exchange our detachment for God's love? How do we do that? Well, it's not enough to simply know that God loves you, that, that sin keeps you from, your, from that love of God. It's not, it's not simply enough to know that Jesus' death on the cross can save us and, and offer us eternity with him in paradise. We really have to accept the gift, don't we? We've got to accept the gift that Jesus is offering us, that, that God is offering us in Jesus Christ. The life-giving relationship is only possible when we believe and we trust when we have faith in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. So, so this is what it means to exchange our detachment for life, for love, for salvation in Christ. It, it means that we, we allow ourselves to enter into this personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, whoever believes, which means whoever receives, we have to, re- we have to believe to receive. Well, what does it mean to believe? Well, the b- word believe is more than Believing something is true. It's active faith. The way I had it explained to me years ago, you know, I grew up part of my life in Florida, so we were around a lot of water, a lot of boats. And the way it was explained to me was, was like this. They said, you know, you can believe a boat can float, but to really believe in the way that Scripture speaks of belief, you've got to get into the boat. You've got to show your, your belief. You step into it. And so in a real sense, what do we do? We offer everything we know about ourselves to everything we know about Christ. And if we were to be honest, we don't know everything about ourselves, but we offer everything we do know about ourselves, all the good, the bad, the ugly. We say, here it is, God. And we offer it to everything we know about him, which is limited. I mean, it really is, and we're growing in the knowledge of him. But think of it this way. It's, 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 it's actively saying, Lord, I need you. What does this mean for you? Let me personalize it for a moment. The Bible teaches that whoever believes in Jesus will exchange being detached for this relationship, this life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. So I just ask you, where where do you place yourself? Are are you detached? Or have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if you're detached from God, do do you see anything keeping you from receiving Christ today? And by the way, if you're in Christ and you still feel detached, do you see anything keeping you this morning from saying, oh, Lord God, help me feel your presence. You came to to make me not alone anymore. Help me understand that I'm not alone if I'm in you. But if you're detached from God, do you see anything keeping you from receiving him? Right now, right now. Receiving God's love, his gift of salvation, is, is like receiving any gift. When, when is a gift really yours? Have you ever really thought about that? If I had a gift right now and I was, I was saying, here's your gift, when does that gift become yours? It's not when I, it's not when I offer it to you, is it? Because it's still in my hands. It's still something I possess. It's when you what? Receive it. 
So when you reach out and grab the thing and, and let it become yours. And it's the same with receiving Christ. It's offered to every one of us, all of us, this life, this love, this acceptance. But we have to receive it. Here's the plain and simple truth. Christ's love and gift of salvation is ours when we receive it in faith. Remember, I said earlier that, that God wants to show us his love, but he also wants to infuse us with his love so we can show his love back to him and others. For this to happen, oh, we need him. God's the only true giver of agape love, self-giving love. He's the example. He's the empower. He's the one that allows it to happen. And, and so we, we come to him. If, if you're interested in receiving Christ as Lord and Savior, I just encourage you this morning. In the moment that when I when I close in prayer, I'm going to pray a prayer much like the prayer I prayed years ago when I exchanged my detachment from God's love. And if this is you, whether you're here on our campus, whether you're on part of our online campus, Hopewell campus, maybe you'll pray that prayer in the quietness of your heart. But I want to tell you, it's the attitude of our heart that makes a difference, not the words of our prayer. The words of our prayer don't save us. It's, it's the attitude of our heart. It's our desire to receive Christ. You don't have to be detached any longer. You can exchange it for God's love. You don't have to be alone. You can be infused with the presence of God. Jesus said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. And he meant it. So we can come this Christmas season, we can thank God for sending his son. We can thank God for filling us with this very spirit. We can praise him for the great gift of Christ. I remember it was a Christmas morning and we're all sitting around opening our presents. I love watching other people open their presents. My family makes fun of me because they're like, oh, open a present. And I usually wait because I just love seeing them open their presents. But they, they wanted me to open this one particular present. And, and, and I opened it and I realized they had picked this present, especially for me. And it was a picture that Krista had done. I had went to a photographer of, of my three kids. Now, they were little at the time. And I opened it, and I was just blown away. I mean, it's still sitting in my office. I just love looking at it, even though they're much older now. And I realized that they had gone into the effort of dressing up and posing and getting pictured just for me on that Christmas morning. It was such a precious present. And do you know what it's like when someone spent time? In other words, it's not like just a generic present. You know what I'm saying? Someone's taken some thought. They know you. They've worked really hard to give you what they think you'll find joy in. John 3.16. God looked at the world, and that's so broad. Let's bring it in. Let's bring it in this morning. God saw you. From the beginning of the world, he knew you would be here this morning. He knew you'd be watching. And he wanted a gift that he knew you desperately needed, and he knew exactly what that perfect gift was. Jesus Christ. A baby who came into the world, lived the perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, resurrected for our salvation. That's how much God loves you. You don't have to be alone. Turn to him. Turn to him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for loving me. I ask that you forgive me of my sins. I desire to exchange my detachment from you 
for your loving gift of salvation. I desire to receive your love. I desire to receive Christ as Savior and Lord of my life. I believe on Jesus for my salvation and trust him as Lord of my life. I thank you that I don't need to to be alone any longer, for I have you, and I have you from now through eternity. And Father God, as we're in the midst of this Christmas season, Christmas literally meaning this celebration of Christ, we celebrate you. We celebrate you for sending your son Jesus Christ to give his life for us, to be resurrected, to have the power to to save us and give us real life. We praise you for filling us with your very spirit. We praise you for your profound love. And God, I pray that that love will unify us as your church, that that love would unify us in purpose, and that God, as you have met with us, as people have made a decision to follow you this morning, Lord God, and as you've met with us, and as you've blessed us gathered, we pray, Lord God, that as we scatter throughout this, this region, that we would share your love with others, that they would know how profoundly you love them too. God, thank you for your love. Thank you for, for allowing us to never be alone because we have you, and we give you the praise in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.